You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We lost to Sheffield Wednesday towards the end no, of the season. No, it was, it was before that. It was, um, I think, obviously, I was coming towards, not say coming towards him in, in the career, but Dave had brought in, obviously, Roger Johnson and Glenn Leuvens, two good young centre-halves. Um, and I think the start of my last season at Cardiff, he chose at the start of the season to play, to play them two, which was fine. That's football, you know. I was, mm. I was, <laughs> I was a lot older than them and uh, a lot slower. And he, and he just took that decision and I think as the season dragged on there's a couple of things I think I, he blamed me for a goal as the, as the season went on um, and he put it out in the media and I sort of had a pop back at him in the media which we shouldn't have done we should have just sat down in the dressing room and, and or sat down in his office and, and, and had it out and said look if you don't want me here let's go yeah, no, this is probably the hardest thing I, I left West Brom to come to Cardiff to, for that reason I was I had two years left on the contract for West Brom and actually took a massive drop in wages and walked away from West Brom with pretty much nothing because I wanted to play football yeah. and I didn't see myself playing at West Brom at that moment in time and as, as much as it cost me a few quid it was probably one of the best decisions I made because I got the opportunity to come and play for Cardiff. It's a, it's a tough one to say. I, like, I'm a Millwall fan. Mm-hmm. I've played for Birmingham for nine years and played for Cardiff for four and if, you, if I was to look at three teams, they're probably my three main teams. One, the one that I supported, one that I've spent most of my time. It's um, a bit weird at times for you to, because obviously you like played at some massive clubs in some massive games, and then obviously at the tail end of your career, you're travelling with the fans, and you can hear them at the front of the bus. Sort of, oh, first was crap today. I never said that. Five stars every, every week. <laughs> one of the things when I when I came in the twenty ones manager at the end of last year is one of the things that I said that the club lacks we'd, we'd never sent enough players out on loan mm. um, and we never sent enough players out on loan to the right level you know I mean if you looked at the 21's results as up until Christmas last year they won every single game but in the second half of the season we, we sent people like Chanka Simba out James Connolly we sold to Bristol Rovers 
because that's what was right for them as individuals. It probably wasn't right for the under-21s as a team because we actually struggled the second half of the season because of the results we picked up. But for the four, five, six individuals that we sent out on loan, it was perfect for them, hence why. Yes, guys, I'm Sai. Welcome back to Ace Podcast Nation. Here for another episode of uh, My Story Extra. And uh, we're here at East Sleep Media again. Delighted to welcome back uh, ex Millwall, Birmingham, Sheffield Wednesday, and of course Cardiff City. And plus Cardiff City's under 23 coach, Darren Purse. Welcome back, my friend. Good friends. to be back, Sai. Indeed, yeah, good. I'm, I'm glad to have you back, mate, because I felt like we were just getting going last time. And then we had to, I was like, oh, we've got to go, because you had to go somewhere, I had to go somewhere. So I was keen to get you back in. But um, we'll kind of fly around a bit, I think, today, and we'll just have a little go back to different points in your career, and I'm going to hear some stories and that. The one story which I was kind of um, thinking about in the aftermath of me talking, which I wish I'd kind of asked you about, was when, um, well, it was reported in Wales Online in 2016 or 17, like where you were, you had words with Dave Jones after the, the kind of playoff. Um, we lost to Sheffield Wednesday towards the end no, of the season. No, it was, it was before that. It was, um, I think, was it, I was coming towards, not say coming towards him in the end of my career, but Dave had brought in, obviously, Roger Johnson and Glenn Leuvens, two good young centre-halves. Um, and I think the start of my last season at Cardiff, he chose at the start of the season to play to play them two, which was, was fine. That's football, you know. I was, mm. I, was, <laughs> I was a lot older than them and uh, a lot slower. And he, he, and he just took that decision and I think as the season dragged on there's a couple of things I think I, he blamed me for a goal as the, as the season went on um, and he put it out in the media and I sort of had a pop back at him in the media which we shouldn't have done we should have just sat down in the dressing room and, and or sat down in his office and, and, and had it out and said look if you don't want me here let's go so we had a t- sort of bit of a turn and throw in in the media which is not the right place to, to have a conversation so that was that and then um yeah, and obviously in the January, I nearly signed for Norwich. I think he was trying to sign Mark, Mark Hudson at the time um, to come in from Palace, and it didn't happen. So I ended up staying around for the second half of the season. Didn't really play that much. Um, and then I think it was after the Preston result, we got we got beat 6-0. And that ultimately, that was the one that cost us promo- uh, or cost us the playoffs. If we lost 5-0, it would have been all right. Yeah. We lost 6-0, Preston pipped us by a goal. Um, after the last game of the season so I think that was the result that did us um, and he pulled me back in and I played the last game of the season at Sheffield Wednesday and we needed a point to get into the playoffs um, and we got beat 1-0 I remember Jermaine Johnson scored a worldy goal from sort of 25 yards and we um, so it was a little bit it was hard for me because obviously I knew it was my last game I knew I was leaving but I'm trying to get the club into the playoffs after yeah, the last few games of the season not playing a lot for that last real, the last sort of the last. I only played probably 10, 12 games in the second or the last uh, the, the last season I was here. So from that point of view, I was disappointed because it was finishing on a bit of a low for me. Yeah. But yeah, we, we had words, and I spoke to him since. Well, we, we, he, he's someone that if I if I went into management, I'd lean on because I think he's a he's got a wealth of experience. He's a, he was a great man. What he did for Cardiff over the six years he was here, you couldn't fault. I thought he was, uh, he was fantastic at what he did. It's just a shame he wasn't the one to get Cardiff in the Premier League and because uh, he probably deserved it for what he did over the years. 
Yeah, it was just that final step under him, wasn't it? He seemed to always just get pipped on, you know, from the playoffs or just miss out on the playoffs. It was just unfortunate. But that time, like following as a fan, was um, was some of the most enjoyable times because you had playing awesome football, yeah, some unbelievable players. It sounds like there was just a bit of frustration building. Yeah, I, th- I think from from both ends, I think you know, from probably Dave's end and, and my end as well. But at the end, that's what we you, you, yeah. you have to you have to deal with it. You take the t- take the rough and the smooth at the same time, and that was probably one of the low points in my career because I still felt that I had something to give, um, but never quite got the opportunity in that last year to to probably get a run of games, and um, and I was always one of them players that I needed to play game after game after game and it's probably only four, five, six games into that run that you probably see the best of me So from a, from a fitness point of view. So I was never one of them that was going to sit around and, and wait for the opportunity because it wasn't me. Yeah, and I suppose like with your career now, it, it's like um, the latter part of your career is where football changed from maybe 11, 12, 13 players being the main core of the squad and you've kind of had that to really be in like a know 16 or 18 man squad yeah. which people rotate like week in week out and if you're a player who f- for the first part of your career or a lot of your career is used to you know just turning games over it must be quite difficult to then be part of a rotation yeah listen it's probably the hardest thing I'd, i left west brom to come to cardiff to for that reason i was i had two years left on the contract at west brom and actually took a massive drop in wages and walked away from West Brom with pretty much nothing because I wanted to play football. Yeah. And I didn't see myself playing at West Brom at that moment in time. And as as much as it cost me a few quid, it was probably one of the best decisions I made because I got the opportunity to come and play for Cardiff and um, and never look back over the four years that I was there. I, I, I loved every minute of it. So, yeah, I, I, was, I always wanted to, even towards the end of my career when I was at Millwall, I was sort of third choice centre-half, not getting on the bench on a Saturday afternoon. But I knew if there was one injury, one suspension, I'd be playing. But I was frustrated with it. I wanted to play week in, week out. I was getting on. I was 35, 36 years of age, and I just wanted to enjoy the last few years of my career. Hence why I left there and went to, to Plymouth. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's probably something. If I look back on my my career now compared to the game nowadays, I think it's probably the one that I would uh, I'd look back and not regretted because I've never, I don't regret anything, but. Maybe if I stayed around at Millwall, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to do what we did at Plymouth. And awesome. um, yeah, so it's, 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 hindsight's a wonderful thing. Mm. But I, um, yeah, I that must it. have been difficult though as well because obviously Millwall is an um, important club to you, isn't it? Well, um, I think if I'd have stayed at Millwall, I'd, I had an extra. I'd, I'd been offered an extra year. I didn't start the season, but I was obviously always on. So I was either on the bench or off the bench, or if there was like cup games, I'd play, and I could have maybe sort of seen my career out there nicked another year and maybe gone into like my coaching side at 36, 37 mm. at Millwall my boyhood club but I still felt that I wanted to play football and I think sometimes you have to trust how you feel Yeah. Um, I wasn't looking at the long term I was just looking at yeah I, w- I just want to enjoy playing for as long as I can hence why I dropped to, to non-league because I, I still felt that I wanted to I wanted just, to carry on just playing just playing enjoy the last few years of my career yeah what about, um, so I'm going to ask you a, a tough question. It might be, I think it's tough, but maybe it won't be for you. I don't know. Obviously, so Millwall's your club, and you played, um, was four years at Cardiff. Which club's fans do you think creates a better, at- no, so two questions. Which atmosphere is better week to week, and which atmosphere is better on 
the you know like a big game. It's a it's a tough one to say. I like I'm a Millwall fan. Mm-hmm. I've played for Birmingham for nine years and played for Cardiff for four. And if you if I was to look at three teams, they're probably my three main teams. One the one that I supported, and one that I've spent most of my time at, and I, they're probably three of the best. They'd be in the top five of all the fans in the country. Yeah, just for obviously noise aggression a little bit if you want they, they, they back their teams to the hill if you run through brick walls for them they'll back you so from that point of view all three of them were fantastic I, I, it's a t- I, it's one that I've never really answered I yeah. don't think I could answer you know on, on any given day like when I played for Birmingham I had the, the one of the best atmospheres I've ever had in football was when we beat Ipswich in the semi-final World of Wolverhampton Cup mm. it was like one of the most amazing nights it was up there one minute down there because we was going out and then we nicked it in extra time, so if you used to bottle up that atmosphere, but then I remember my first my first game at or my first midweek game at, at Cardiff was Leeds at home, mm-hmm. you know, and we won two one, and you, you bottle that atmosphere from Ninian yeah. Park up, and you think, wow, so yeah, it's tough, and I've been in the away end and watched Millwall home and away at a few places as well, and actually been in the thick of it as a fan. So I don't think you can I don't think you can compare that they're, they're all different. They've all got their plus points, all got their minus points. But I think for me, looking back on my career, I feel privileged to have played for probably three out of the best top five fans in probably in in in, in the country. It's a good answer, that, isn't it? Off the top of your head as well. I think that's a good <laughs> answer. But um, no, I, I tend to agree. Obviously, I haven't experienced. Uh, I went to I think I went to Millwall away once. Yeah, it wasn't. I wouldn't say it was. Fun, I, I fun, did, it wasn't a fun time. I did Millwall away with um, with Birmingham in the playoffs. Playoff semi final. We needed to go. I think we drew at home and we needed to go away from home and, and beat Millwall for Birmingham. And that was a tough one. I got all my family, all Millwall fans in the in the stands. Obviously, I'm there. I think they all wanted me to to, to win the game because it was the opportunity to get promoted to the Premier League. But that was the night where. We never left the stadium till about two o'clock in the morning. All the Millwall fans had sort of barricaded us into the stadium. <laughs> they wouldn't let us out. It was um, it was a it was a mad night, but obviously a fun night because obviously we ended up winning it and getting to the playoff final. We beat Norwich in the final, so it worked out well. But that was an unbelievable atmosphere. But then I'm assuming the nights like those they're special nights, and they when you look back on your playing career, those are the nights which you remember fondly and and just do you know what I mean? Like those types of um, like the big events, the special days, no, yeah, things I, like that. I think it's mad. You look back at I look at other sports as well. So, if, like the Wimbledon final, and when you've got a when you've got sort of say like Novak Djokovic serving for the like to win the, the, the win the men's singles at Wimbledon, you think the pressure that he's on to to actually just to actually get the ball over the net with yeah. that much pressure on you is mad. But then I also look back on my my playing career. And you play in front of eighty, ninety thousand people, and you think, well, how could you do your job when there's that pressure on you and that, and that many fans on you? I think you just you try and put yourself into that zone every time, and the more you do it, the more you can appreciate it, the more you, the the, the better you can perform when you're put under that pressure. So it's mad when you do train for something and you do do it on a daily basis that you just naturally just just get used to the pressure and, and what it's like to yeah, yeah. to do it on a daily basis. I always wondered, like. So you know, like well, football fans, all football fans are quite fickle in some ways. In terms of like, like you just said, there it's like the ups and the downs of the game. And if someone makes a mistake, it's like a groan. And 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 sometimes fans can be quite vocal. They say, "Oh, come on, so and so, this." Can you hear individual 
like people when you're taking a throw in or whatever and they're shouting stuff for you. No, not when, always friendly. When, when it, it, it's strange and something I've dropped because obviously dropping to non league football when I fin like finished playing, you hear more when there's 400, 500 watching you than you do when there's 30, 40, 50,000 watching you. It's crazy, though, It's mad. It? Like, I think sometimes when, you, when you've got that. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. That many fans around, you just tend to zone out. You're concentrating on the game. You don't really... Sort of, you don't really notice what's around. Mm. I know it, it, at it's time, more of a general noise, I suppose. Yeah, it's it? a, yeah, a bit more of a general noise. You know when the fans are, sort of, are backing your team. You know when you're on top in the game, you can hear them backing you. You know when you're not on top, you're really under pressure, and you can hear their frustration. So you can hear that, but you can't hear general yeah. general things. But when dropping to non-league football, you can hear everything. <laughs> and purse you fat, everything <laughs> like that, <laughs> and just... Some of the names. Why are you still playing? <laughs> Should we get your pension? All that sort of stuff. You, you hear everything because there's not that many. Uh, there's not that many fans. It's like little little things like playing. I think I played in a sem cup, like a playoff semi-final for Chesham against Stourbridge, and this this fella came up to like on the side of the pitch. He's like, "Oi, Purse, you scum! You've called my daughter or something or other." I looked at him. I went, "I haven't said anything to you. I don't know who your daughter is." What? <laughs> So he's going, I'll see you after in the in the bar. I went, no worries, mate. So after the game, I went looking for him in the bar. Yeah, and I went up to him and I said, what are you on about? What if I called your daughter in the bar afterwards? He went, oh, no, well, you were someone else. I went, what are you having a pop at me for then? <laughs> Idiot. You know, just uh, little things like that, just random. Than, from from non-league football, the, the, the randomness yeah. of it. So yeah, like it, it was good. I, I enjoyed it. So dropping down to non-league, it was... Uh, it was enjoyable sort of four years at the end of your career. Yeah, I like I, like, I do like that. Is that the <coughs> I went and watched a couple of Tapswell games during the uh the rebrand and stuff and that it was just it's just a different it's the same but different if that makes sense. Like it's still football, isn't it? But it's just it's much more as a fan, like it's, you feel so much part of like I know a few of the boys who follow like Tapswell, they'll follow them or Kai yeah. Met, they'll follow them everywhere. Yeah. And they just, but they they all know the players, and they they kind of they feel more. It's more of a family, yeah. Because you know, you you end up where sort of the the players and the fans end up travelling on the same coach as well. So you'll have the same sort of twenty thirty players, players. Oh, sorry, the same twenty thirty supporters on the coach travelling to an away game with you. So after the game, you've got them. You can hear a murmuring up mm -hmm. the front. This was good. This was crap. All that sort of stuff. But ultimately. There's a massive turnover of players usually in non-league, and all you can say about the fans is is just that they love the football club they support. Yeah. They're they're just as passionate as the Cardiff fans, the Birmingham fans, the Millwall fans, Plymouth fans. You look at the Plymouth fans, the they travel. The, the, the non-league fans do exactly that, but for I don't know if it's less enjoyment, but less of the prestige than what the, yeah. the league clubs do. But they still they still got the same passion for the football club and and they do it they do anything for the for the club to keep it afloat. Yeah, hundred percent. It's like community spirit. Yeah, that's that. huge. It's um it's funny though. Like it must have been a bit weird at times for you to because obviously you've like you've played at some massive clubs in some massive games and then obviously 
at the tail end of your career, you're travelling with the fans and you can hear them at the front of the bus. Sort of, oh, Pierce was crap today, wasn't he? I never said that. Five stars every, every week, <laughs> wasn't it? But it's got to be a bit of a strange experience. But then it's still football, isn't it? No, it's, it's, it's still football. And um, yeah, I, I just like thank you for giving me the, the opportunity to carry on playing. Enjoy me football, and there's some there's some real gems as well in non-league football. I think you look down. We've got one at, at Cardiff that we signed, Oli Tanner. You know, he's come from Lewis. He's a young lad trying to make his way in the game. He's got he's got great talent, um, and sometimes there's usually something missing to why they're playing non-league football, to why they're why they're not playing league football. And it might be a great player, just that, lack that attitude or that that desire. Sometimes you know, it's like there's some lads in non-league football got the attitude desire. Just haven't got it technically, you know. So there's always something missing between the boys that are down there, but there is some talent, and uh, and they make the best of what they've got. Is there many down in the in the various connotations of the, like the non-league and all that, Jack? And there's many players in there who've who've like just been missed out because there's you know the vast majority of kids want to be footballers. So there's a lot of kids for clubs to try and scoop up into academies and stuff. Do you think there's a few down there who are you know good enough, got the right attitude, everything, but they've just missed. Loads, loads. I think I think that's the probably the the beauty of I think twenty ones, twenty threes football now is. I think you can give them lads that miss out eighteen years of age, from getting a professional contract. They drop down to non-league, whether like that sort of conference south or even like the Welsh Prem. You look at some of the boys that have been released from Cardiff, gone to a Welsh Prem club, and now they've ended up making a career and end up at Newport and places like that. So there's 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 opportunities if if players do it right that. At 18, 19, when they are released, there still there still is that way back into professional football. Maybe yeah. not in the Premier League or the Championship where they think they should be, but at League One, League Two level where still they, they realistically are. Yeah. Oh, that's where they're at. So there's there's opportunities out there for definitely. I think sometimes um, you've got to take two steps back to go forward. Do you know? So, and, like I had um, a sports psychologist on before, and she her job was to work with players who have kind of been in the academy system, you know, like from ten, and then when they come, when it's come to decision time, for whatever reason, they've been dropped out of the system, and her job is to basically work with them and try and you know help them decide if they're going to try and get a club in non-league mm-hmm. or if they're going to go elsewhere, you know, yeah. drop out. Make another career. Yeah. yeah. There's. The the thing with that I find is with them lads that get released at eighteen, I think they've been in the academy system from eight to eighteen. That's ten years of their life that they've been involved in it, and they take it for granted sometimes. You know, they think, oh yeah, everything's fine. I'll get a professional contract. It's all be good. The just, yeah, I've gone from fifteens to sixteens. I've gone sixteens to eighteens. I've had me two years. I played every game for the under eighteens. But what they don't realise, and it sometimes it takes them to be released. It takes that disappointment for them to actually go away from it, rethink, and go. Do you know what? I didn't grasp that opportunity. Hopefully, I'll get another one, and they're better prepared for it. And um, they sort of sleepwalk into into getting released at 18, 19 years of age. And I think that's the that's the the, the tough thing you try to instil into into the lads, especially for me within the twenty ones that I do. You look at the player. Who are the players that you you played with last year? Are they still here this year? No. Why? Why was the re- why did they get released? What's the reason they're not here anymore? Mm. Well, don't let that be you in a year's time. You know, and there's players. Some players will grasp it. Some players won't. Yeah. Players that grasp it end up making a career out of so the players that don't grasp it have to drop back out 
and if they if they get the bit between their teeth and they go and try to crack on again, then the opportunity is there for it. If they don't and they still think they're the world's best player and and don't look at themselves on the reasons why they got released, then they'll end up playing non-league football for the rest of their career. So, yeah, but I think sometimes there, there is that they need to have that extra dimension to one part of their game. They need to be an athlete or they need to be a te- technically top draw player or they need to have an actual where they'll run through brick walls for, for, for the manager and for the club. Invariably, if you've got one, two, all three of them, that will help you out mm. to, to make the, the best of your career in, in football. You know, with the 23 system as it is now, are you able to bring in players like uh, for trials from non-league clubs or do they have to go through the club as a whole and stuff like that no, no, we, we're, we're open to to bring in anywhere we get we get hundreds of emails a week from, okay. from lads around the country from abroad um, oh, I'd love to come I'm, I'm perfect for your football club ultimately the, the, out of the hundred emails we get there's probably one of them that is perfect yeah. but it's trying to sift through the ones that are not trying to get the right ones in to, for trial, so you can actually get eyes on them and look at them, because you're not you're not looking at, at like we said, you're not, you're not looking at how good they are as a footballer. You're looking at them as a person. Are they the right person for for the football club? Do they treat the badge with the respect that it should be treated with? You know, so there's a lot of there's a lot of other things that goes to to making it as a professional footballer. It's not it's not always the best player or like the the top one percent that of players that make it. Sometimes you need a bit of everything within mm. that it must be hard for people like yourself and the other guys who make those decisions because it's difficult if you see someone who's you know a phenomenal player your first thought is that's a phenomenal footballer isn't it yeah. but then you might when you delve into it a bit deeper you might find out you know they got a bit of a bad attitude or you know whatever it may be and then how difficult is it to weigh up that because like you just said you named or five different things at least which you've got to kind of look at as an overall picture I think as, as, as managers and the managers will, will say I mean when you when you put a player into your starting 11 or into your team you need to know that you're trusting that player and I think if you've got that trust with a player I think that's what helps you develop them and I think if you can't trust a player I think that's when it all, the, the relationship ultimately breaks down between a player and a manager there needs to be that trust between both parties. The player needs to trust you that you've got his best interest at heart, and the and the, and the, the manager needs to trust the player that when he goes onto that onto that pitch every week, he's going to give his best. You know exactly when you're going to get from him. Um, so I think that there is that trust between that, that that needs to be there. So a lot of a big part of trust is communication, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So general question, and I'm not it's not about anyone in particular, but like. So going back through your career, there'll be footballers from all different countries, isn't it? Because there's the way of the world now; it's so easy to travel. Um, is it more difficult for a player, say, who comes from Spain or Portugal or whatever, and maybe their English is a bit broken or whatever, to build that trust with a with a new manager, with a dressing room, with the teammates? Uh, I think ultimately that comes down to the manager. If he's signing a player or bringing a player for, over from Spain, he must have. Uh, a knowledge of the player, he must trust the player that he's bringing in to to be maybe the missing link that he needs. Mm. You know, if it's, if he doesn't, or he, or he brings him in and it doesn't work out, the manager's got to look at himself and say, "Well, why didn't it work out? Is it is it because of me? Is it because of the player's attitude? Did, have, did I make a wrong judgment call on the player? 
from from whatever reason, whether not from a technical point of view, was he not quite the player that we needed to fit into that into that role? You know, did the player did the player give himself the best opportunity to settle into the country, settle into the club, and and, and play the best that he can play? There will always be a number of factors why it hasn't worked out, um, but there needs to be someone there, whether that's the manager or the player, that looks at it and goes, I could have done a little bit more there. Yeah. I could have found out about the player a little bit more. I could have found out about his family and asked him a few more questions. Could I have made him feel at home a little bit more? There's always going to be a number of questions that, as a as a as a manager, as a person, you you look at and think I could have done better on that in that situation. As long as you learn from it, then it gives you it gives you better grounding as you go forwards. If you don't learn from it, you'll continue making the same mistakes. Yes, hundred percent. The um, in the first uh, first one we did, you talked a little bit about the the Sheffield Wednesday dressing room and it being a bit of a rough place yeah. like when you look back on your career do the a lot of the dressing rooms i'm assuming i know dressing rooms these days are probably different to what they were when your career first started was the dressing room kind of mentality making sure that you know everyone felt part of a team and stuff like that was that generally managed by the players by the captain by the senior players or was the manager be a big part of that? Wherever I was captain, I tried to make that my part of my role was to make the the players, the families. I think the st- the, the start of every preseason or the end of every preseason, I'd always try and do a night out for the players, the wives. Um, try and get some sort of barbecue as well for maybe a Sunday before the season started, so that the players' wives, their kids could come together, so that when they all came to the game, all the wives and the kids all knew each other trying to get a crash sorted for games. That was one of my biggest things at Cardiff was trying to get a crash sorted for the game. So you can actually, if the kids wanted to, start, especially the young kids, they could stay in with the nannies or the, the people to look after them. And then you've got the wives and the older kids can actually go out and watch the game and enjoy the game. So little bits like that always helped. I think at Cardiff, it was probably one of the ones where I got it right as captain was we had a great blend on the pitch, but off the pitch we had a really good blend as well with, with the way that... Um, the way that obviously the, the, the players, the wives and, and everybody sort of mingled, socialised. I think it helped because Cardiff's sort of out on a limb a little bit. You know, it's not like London where you've got yeah. four or five different clubs or ten clubs within the vicinity and they can mix. I think we sort of kept it in-house and we we sort of, yeah, we socialised together, which was a, a massive part. And it helped the bond between the players that we had as well because... I know it's not, but, but most Saturday nights we'd be going out for a meal together, or we'd be going out on a on a night out if we didn't have a Tuesday night game, and it just helped the bond between yeah. the players. Just builds that spirit, doesn't it? Yeah, and it the does. team spirit. Did yeah. you ever get any uh, players who would push back? Not necessarily a Cardiff, but anywhere where they would kind of push back a little bit with that, and they didn't want to be part of the group away from the football. Yeah, definitely. Um, you had, you had players that didn't have wives and girlfriends. You know, you had players that were single and. And didn't want to, didn't want to grasp on, uh, and didn't want to sort of buy into what you, you're trying to create. You know, it's, it's like at Plymouth, we had sort of four or five experienced players, but a lot of youngsters. But the biggest thing, the youngsters bought into what we were saying, what we were trying to say to them. Hence, why you had people like Curtis Nelson was there as a young lad, Connor Hurahain, you know, people like that that have actually gone on and made really good careers for themselves because they bought into what you were saying. I actually listened to what he was as experienced pros and hence why they've gone on at decent great players ability wise. Yeah. But they actually bought into what it was like to, to be a professional footballer and uh, 
and, and, and they've had good careers from that. Yeah, I like it. I think, um, like at the end of the day, if you're not going to listen to the people who've been there and done it, then you nine times out of ten you're going to miss out on something, you? Because you, you think how much experience you've got and how much experience other, you know, pros who had a similar career in terms of length and longevity. If you're not going to listen to those players as a young footballer, it's kind of like what you're doing. I, I, I think it's huge. I remember being obviously when I was 17, 18 playing with people like Glenn Cockrell who had a really good career at Southampton, you know, and Craig Bear, sorry, Craig Bellamy, uh, Gary Bellamy who was like at Wolves and he was, he was I played alongside him as a centre-half. So I was like a sponge at 17 years of age trying to learn off these boys. Listen, there was some aspects that I looked at and I and I didn't really buy into that, that they was that they did drink a lot, yeah. you know, yeah, but yeah. that was, it was how they relaxed. It was how they how they got about it. The game's changed massively. Different, where different world. Where the, the, the lads now are they're, they're athletes. They can't go out and drink no. on a Tuesday night. Whereas years like twenty thirty years ago, you could. The game was a lot slower. It wasn't as professional as what it is. But there is other ways you can do it. Like go and have a game of golf. Go and play. If it's the single boys, go and have a game of bowling or go to the cinema together. You're still getting that bonding. You're still speaking to each other, spending time away from it. And I think when you're on the pitch and and the, the the tough moments come, if you're there and you're together in your unit and a group, you you tend to come through them in the right way rather than the wrong way. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Like because obviously back in the day, it was like you like I would imagine from people I spoke to and what I've read and stuff, it was very much like you play the game and then kind of go out and have a few beers and that was the way yeah. the teams bonded and got together and stuff. And obviously, there's many a famous case of players doing it and coming in Hanover and training and all that sort of stuff and then sports science come in yep. I suppose and then you had someone measuring your body fat when you came back to pre-season was that a big change you remember when that came in um yeah probably when I was I'd go to say early 30s it really started to come in we'd have a fitness coach but would never really get on to everybody knew like to eat your carbohydrates before a game, you know. After the game, you actually get your protein inside you to get your recovery. So everybody knew that. And as I was coming, as a young boy, as a young lad coming through, I knew what it was like to look after myself, what was wrong, what was bad for you. But not like now where, obviously, players get blood tested, they get tested for everything. They make sure their body fat's pretty much fine every day. There's so many tests they have to do every day. So they'll come in after a game and do a, and do a test and if, and if they're if they're off their targets they don't train because that that's when they're becoming in that red zone that people talk about and mm. and, and, and they've got a chance of being injured you okay. know whether or not that's the right way or not because i'm sure during my career i was in the red zone or the, mm. the so-called red zone a lot of the time but never really got injured mm. so it, it, it's tough i think i think we do overprotect them a little bit but i think the game is so fast nowadays that you do tend to end up with a, with more muscle injuries, more sort of impact injuries because the game is so quick. Do you think, um, like a 17, 18-year-old Dan Purse in today's game, do you think you'd still have no. a similar career? No. Do you I, I, wasn't, I, I just wasn't athletic enough. Okay. You know, I, I, if, if you, you had think, like other things to your game. No, well, I'm just, I, but yeah, I, I, I look at me now compared to like a, an 18 year old now. I talk a lot more than what they do. Mm. You know that would that would help me. 
my positioning and, and where I was in, on the pitch and how I read the game was was key to me as a as a footballer. But as an athlete, I was never athletic enough. As a as a as a seventeen year old, I was supposed to be quite quick. I just think as I developed, I got a bit bigger as a as you do as a centre half. Just got a little bit slower, and I just don't think I was quite quite athletic enough. I think I'd have had a career, but I don't think I've maybe reached the heights that I, I did. Yeah. Yeah. Honest, that is, I suppose. No, 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 no. I think I look at some of the the boys we've got in our twenty threes and technically a million times better player than I ever was. But as you said, I probably had other other strings to my bow that that, that, that I haven't got. Hence why I probably had a career for as long as I did. But yeah, I probably I probably wouldn't have uh, wouldn't have lasted as long as I did. Um, so this is a bit of a weird question because obviously you're the under twenty threes manager. I'm not trying to put you in an old position whatsoever. But I'm. Do you With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Do you think the, the, the kind of reserve system, if you like, was better uh, when you had like the Pontins League and it was like... Um, it might be called something else, but you had competitive games all the time, and it was literally the players who weren't in the first team squad and the best of the youth. Yeah. Do you think it was better like that, or do you think it's better the way it is now? Uh, I think it was better because me, as an 18 year old lad, could be playing against um, someone that's played 300 games, you know, and I'm stepping into that reserve game on a Wednesday afternoon and playing there against someone. And you get just get different, different problems to solve. Yeah, you know, you make a mistake, don't make the same mistake again. If I got sucked in too, too hard, I missed a header. How do I go and I don't miss that header again next time? And then back into you had to do different thing. Every treading on your toes, you'd be getting elbows in your face. Whereas I don't think in twenty ones football or twenty threes, you don't really get that. It's yeah, that, it's, you don't get that competitive. Uh, it's not as competitive for what it needs to be. But then on the other, on from the other side. I think in 21 to 23, you do get like in possession stuff, like rotations, teaching the boys how to just like the Christmas of their passing, making sure their ball speed's right. Technically, they're a lot more advanced as footballers mm-hmm. as what they as what they were as what we were as 17 year olds, but they just lack that competitive edge and, and playing against seasoned pros. I think that's the the biggest difference, and I think you learn more. That's hence why we try and send boys out alone. They'll learn more from a six-month loan spell, playing as high up the pyramid as they can, than they will for playing for six months as a as Just a, to get as his kids in football. Yeah. Like, yeah, I can definitely see that. I think the loan system, like people moan about it, don't they, and say, "Oh, everyone's got twenty players out on loan." But actually, the loan system is vital now, isn't it, to the to the young footballers, because without it, like you say, you've got the twenty threes, but if you haven't got the the loan system is open and as good as it is, and as you know, you can pretty much find a football club for uh, for good players, yeah. can you? Um, it's without that, you lack that. I think it was one of the things when I when I came in as twenty ones manager uh, at the end of last year. It was one of the things that I said 
that the clubs lacks. We we never sent enough players out on loan, mm. um, and we never sent enough players out on loan to the right level. You know, I mean, if you looked at the twenty ones results as up until Christmas last year, they won every single game, but in the second half of the season, we we sent people like Chanka Simba out, James Connolly, we sold to Bristol Rovers, because that's what was right for them as individuals. It probably wasn't right for the under twenty ones as a team because we actually struggled the second half of the season because of the results we picked up. But for the four, five, six individuals that we sent out on loan, it was perfect for them. Hence why Chanka's now at Newport County and scoring goals. James Connolly we sold in the summer to Bristol Rovers who he went out on loan to. So you have to you have to grasp and we'd love to win every game as an under twenty ones. You know, that's that, that that would be brilliant. Now let's go and see if we can win the Premier League too. Let's see if we can get in the playoffs, go and go and win it. But we won't get judged on winning that. It'd be great to have, it's a great little string to your bow but we'll get judged on the number of players we get in the first team number of players that go and make careers for themselves over over the next five ten years and that's what that's what I see my job and my role is is to do that on a, on a, on a daily basis every day we're out on the pitch is trying to develop them players giving them the skills that they're not going to be the one that makes a debut they're going to be the one that goes and plays 500 games okay what sort of manager are you with the boys like you um Quite abrasive. You're quite welcoming. You've um, got a bit of a abra- hairdryer in abrasive, you. Abrasive, sarcastic, <laughs> but I've also got a love inside to me as well. Mm. You know, I, I'm, I'm I'm quite harsh with some lads because I think they need it. I mean, there's there's some lads that are in the group that that um, that need to grow up. That they, they need to that they yeah they need to be told that they're, what they're doing is not good enough. They need to they need to have that. And I'll 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 be on at them, and I'm on at them every day. If the standards are not met, that's how, that, that, that's how I, that's how I am. But there's also lads in there that that that, that have got their their troubles, and they've got their so there are lads that you have to put your arm around. There are lads you can't shout and scream mm-hmm. at because they don't react to it, or, the, or or you could be harming them by doing that. So I think having the personal relationship with the boys, I'm not there to be their friends. I'm there to help them make a career in the game. But on the other hand, and I say to them every day, I love working with them, I love them as young men, and I'll give them everything that I can to try and help them be where they want to be, whether that's playing in the Premier League or playing in League Two. Mm. Whatever whatever standard they're going to play at, whatever level, I want to try and give them the tools that, that, that make the best for their for them as individuals. And I suppose you've got 16 or 18 Got 14 in a minute, mate. Four, right, Come 14 on. young <laughs> men who, like... They're still finding themselves as human beings as well, aren't they? Oh, yeah. 100%. They, they don't and they're know. like, um, yeah. some of them might re- respond to this, some of them might respond to that. You just don't know, you know, and it's managing those personalities, but whilst also keeping the the levels high, I guess. And yeah, the, 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 the big one as well is managing the personalities within the group as well. Mm. Uh, we've had we've had a couple of lads that are sort of the real ones that every half-time, they're the ones that are coming in, throwing their bottles on the floor, whinging at a few of the other boys in, in mm-hmm. the dressing room and I'm like just calm yourself down think about what you're doing don't get involved in other people and say but also say it in the right way Yeah. don't say it's your crap and say could you have done this better so I say, there's a way to say it as well so that you actually get the person you're speaking to to think about what they've done or the mistake that they've made rather than chastising them for yeah. it and, 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 and actually putting them in a really bad place going out for the second half for the next game and they're on edge so, yeah, they? yeah so 
And, I, and what you've said there is, is is a big one. Is if you're if you're encouraging the team to go and play, be expansive, be good in in the ball, try and break lines with passes, um, be patient, build up play. When they do make a mistake and they do give the ball away in the wrong area, you can't hammer them for it. You've got to say you've got to say to them, do it again. But when you do it again, was it the right pass you played the last time? So you actually question about every mistake or every every pass that they make. They're actually questioning it. Was it the right pass? Was there a better pass on? So they're actually thinking about their game rather than just going through the motions with it. All. Yeah. Do they do they rewatch every game? Um, this is another thing about the professionalism. Some do, some don't. Okay. So you um, wouldn't have them in as a like a group. We, I, I, I'll do. We, we prefer more often than not. We do a post match or a pre, and a pre match. So we do a pre match analysis. We'll watch the team we're playing against. We'll give them the pictures of what they're like. The, some of the patterns that come out of it. We'll go out and do that on a on a on a match day minus one or a match day minus two. So they 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 know the shape we're playing against. They know pretty much the personnel we're playing against. What they're good at. What they're not so good at. Um, and then after a game, we'll reevaluate what did we do well, show them some good bits. What didn't we do so well? What can we learn from? We'll show them some bad bits. So it's about just trying to pick out the little bits of information that mm. each player need, and as a team or a unit, they need as well. I find it fascinating, see, because um, obviously back in the day, you had like the YTS and everything, and you're doing the chores around the ground and all the, you know, all the rest of it, which came with it. It's very, very different in that. Uh, the 18, 19 year olds which come into the game now it's a, like it, it feels like a completely different world uh, where it was I think it's I think the the lads that come through I think if they do their if they did jobs like what we used to call it as a YTS mm -hmm. I think they're a lot more grounded with them when they go a little bit higher up mm -hmm. I think now lads at 16, 17 years of age I think some of the boys think they've made it when they haven't you know, even at 19, 20 years of age, playing for the 21s, they think they've made it. And we go back to what I said earlier, they're happy just being where they are rather than having that drive and that determination to go and be better. And I say that if, if, you're, if you're 20 years of age and you're playing in 21s football, you unless you're a late developer, you really need to start looking over your shoulder and thinking, am I at the right place? what is my level going to be when I'm 21 years of age because you can't play 21s football forever and I think sometimes they just they just rest on I'm happy doing what I'm doing rather than pushing themselves forward to, to be better. But I guess from a player's point of view it must be difficult if you've been in there since like under 8, under 9s which a lot of boys are haven't they and they just yeah. go through each year you almost feel like well, under 10s next year under 9s and, and you uh, end up you know, and all the way up so when you get to the 23s, if you've been through all the age groups or the majority of the age groups, it must almost feel like the well, first team next. But if you don't have that mentality to to push on from it, the players who are in the 17s, 18s will come in the following year and overtake I it. I think what, what players don't realise is, and try to explain, at 16 years of age, you're the best under 16. You know, at 18 years of age, you're the best under 18. Once you get to nineteen twenty, you're not the best. You're not the best player because you've got a twenty-eight year old you're playing up against, mm. and they don't realise that. They look at the players that they're playing with within their group, and they think, "I'm the best player in here. No, I'm, not, I'm the best midfielder in this group." But what they don't realise is ninety-one other football clubs that are around there. Yeah. They've got midfielders that are thinking exactly the same, and they're in the big bad world of uh, of football. And 
it's it's that I, I think that's that that step up from from probably I'd say from 16 into 18s football and into, into 21s up to the first team is the biggest step ever because there, there's so much you've got to learn in a short space of time that from 10s, 11s, 12s, you can have, you can be someone that's got potential. Yeah. 13, 14, 15, oh, he's got potential. Look at the size of six foot one, give mm. him another year. Give, but only once you get to 18, under 18s level, you might not get that, other, that, that extra year because mm. that's when it becomes, that becomes, that becomes that's when it becomes a job not a hobby that's when it becomes that's when you you're up against not only kids that are in your age group and in your football club you're up against kids from all over the country that are being released from cut one football clubs from 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 clubs all over the place that it's a, it's a there's a massive pool of players to choose from yeah it's, I, I could uh, I could talk about the ins and outs of it because I, I do find it really interesting um those jobs which we were talking about like as a YTS they shaped you people like yourself and you know other players from when they were still doing those things they shaped you as a young man mm. and they made you like you said they make you grounded do the players these days do anything like that? No I, I think it's something and I, I'm not saying like we'd sweep the stands on a Monday morning yeah. or a Sunday morning after a game with, like during pre-season we'd be painting the turnstiles and things like that I don't agree with that because you call it slave labour, call it what you, we did it because that's what that's what it was. That's what oh, that's how much we wanted to be professional footballers. I think things like doing the first team players' boots, I think, is a huge thing because I think it gives the the the, the players a it gives them a relationship with a, with a professional, um, but it also they've actually got to go and earn the right to have somebody else to do their boots. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying yeah, by yeah, that? I do, yeah. Like when when I was a when I was a, a YTS and I was quite lucky. I only I only did it for a short space of time, but I'd pick up the you'd pick up the sweaty jockeys, you'd chuck them in the skip down, take them down to the laundry. But you did it, and you thought, you know what? In six months' time, a year's time, somebody else is going to be doing that for me. Mm. I'm going to work so hard because that's just like the the icing on the cake of being a professional footballer. Yeah. And I think sometimes. Nowadays, they don't that the, the young players coming through don't realise how hard you've got to work to to be and how hard it's going to how hard it is to to be a professional footballer. Do they um? So do players these days, like young footballers now, they have to clean their own boots and stuff like that. Invariably, we, we, obviously we've got kit men to do it. Yeah. But I think when you talk about cleaning your boots, years ago you'd be in the boot room with a boot and polish yeah, and. and players don't wear black boots anymore do they yeah, basically just chuck them under a shower job done they're clean they're, you know what I mean it's not mm. it's not like what it used to be yeah. at the end of a training session we'll come out and they'll just shower their boots off and they're done yeah. so it's not really that much of a big thing but I just think sometimes it just gives the players and it would be hard at Cardiff we probably couldn't do it because our under 18s and our first team are on different different venues mm. you know different different campuses so it would be hard to implement it but I think it's something that I, th I think it, it it won't go amiss from from yeah. being involved. It gives the players that little bit of responsibility for something, and I think it also gives you gives the young players a relationship with a, with one of the pros that they can ask questions. Am I doing this right? If they're in the gym together, it just gives them that little bit of a personal relationship where they can. Because you'd usually do it position specific, so 
you'd put a centre central defender with a central defender, centre forward with a centre forward, goalkeepers with the goalkeepers. So there's that relationship as you're going forward. Do you think if you tried to bring that in, not just at Cardiff, if any club tried to bring that back, there would be any pushback? Um, I'm sure there will be. Um, the pushback would come from the players that get released. But the, 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 as I said, the pushback would come. The, the that's like the parents. That, no, that's it, like it the comes parents, from parents the agents, and that. <laughs> the pushback would come. Why are you making my son clean the boots? Mm. You know, I, I don't think you will ever come back in. Is is football lesser for it? Yeah. But I'm just thinking, from me as a as a person, from a, as a personal point of view, I just think it, it, it. I think it's a good thing. It gives you it gives you grounding, and it gives you it gives you like some personal responsibility and a, and a relationship with the the, the players that you're that aspiring aspiring to be. Mm. Do um do any of the twenty threes would they ask to go out on loan, or do they wait for you to say? Um, yeah, that, uh, we have conversations with. with uh, I have conversations with players all the time, and there's players that it's right for. There's players that it's not right for. Mm. There'd be players in in the twenty threes that that all want to go out on loan and think it's the right move for them, but I I won't. You know, I'll, I'll have that conversation with myself. We'll have the conversation with the manager. We'll. You know, we, we, it's all about that communication and doing what's right for each player. Ultimately, over 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 a course of a season or a couple of seasons if you've got a first year pro second year pro over that course of two seasons they should be out on loan for probably six months what hurts Cardiff is we have to send players out for six months so we'll send the player out at the end of the August transfer window and they can't come back to us till January the same in January they can go until the end of the season but they can't come back if you're going England to England clubs you can send them out for a month so you could send you could send a young lad out for a month to a conference south club, a conference club, watch him for a month. He'll come back in, and you think, do you know what? He's done really well there. Let's go and step him up to the next level. So they could actually have three loan moves over the course of six months, where he's gone conference south, conference maybe even in, into League Two over six months. Whereas we have to send our players out to conference south, and they've got to be there for six months, come back, and they have to go out for another six months, maybe to the next level. Yeah. So it hurts, it hurts, it hurts well. us as a yeah. football club, but we need to do it. The boys need to come play in their sports, in men's football. Because I suppose there's the other side of it is if they go wherever, if so, if a player goes to you know club X, and they come back, or they or they get there and they're there for a few weeks, they might be homesick. Yeah. They could be struggling. They might not settle. They might not don't get on with a manager that they're playing for. There's loads of stuff that goes on. We've had it. Well, since I've been at the club, we've had it with, with players. It's it's hard, and that's why picking the right loan move, picking the right pl- the right club for the right player, is key. We've got it wrong. We've also got it right. So, mm. with um, yeah, sometimes you have to, as as managers, as as people that are involved in these of uh, these players' careers, you have to sort of you have to make sure that the decisions you make, you get more right than you get wrong. Um, I wanted to circle back a bit, um, just as we sort of start to wrap up a bit, but um. When you were talking about like playing in the non-league yourself and stuff, um, I was gonna ask you, like, got distracted by asking you something else. But um, when did you know you were done? Like, when did you know I'm done? I'm retiring. Um, or was it a case of just? It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Bobs came up in coaching. I didn't, um, I didn't know I was done professionally. It was sort of. It was forced upon me, not from a personal point of view, rather than from a from a professional point of view. Mm. I don't want to go too much more into yeah. that, but I, I think, yeah, I, I had, I basically I had to put my kids before my career, if okay. you know what I mean. So I, I, it was when I was thirty-seven, I I still had the opportunity to stay in professional football if I wanted to, but I had to put my kids before my my, yeah. my career, and it probably set my coaching career back four or five years. Okay. But it was a decision that I had that I made that I was happy to make and probably the one of the better decisions that I made in, in my lifetime, if you know what I mean. Are you enjoying coaching? Like as you've progressed and, and I, I, I yeah, I enjoy I enjoy the management side of it a million yeah. times more than I do the coaching. I enjoy being out on the pitch, I enjoy having a bit of banter with the lads, I enjoy seeing the work you put in on for, on a daily basis come out in games. I enjoy seeing the the, the lads Learning from the mistakes they made, learning from the information that you give them, I, th- I think that's probably the, the biggest part of the, uh, of the of of where I am at this moment in time. I, I really enjoy that. Um, yeah, so I, I, I just I'm, I'm really I just love the the job that I'm in. I love where I'm living at the moment. I'm just in a really good place in, in life at this moment. This time. card is awesome. Man. I, I, I love it. It's amazing. So ultimately, with your managerial career. Do you think you're like well? Not do you think? Would you rather keep working with like twenty threes and, and young players, or would you like to go and be a first team manager somewhere eventually? I, 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 that's where I want to be. Mm-hmm. Whether I get that opportunity or not, I don't know. Only time will tell. Um, I'm not ready for it anywhere near. I'm learning so much every day from from the manager. Like Morrow's brilliant, and you look at obviously. Where where we are as as as, as coaches, I, I think I'm older than Moro, but I think he's got more experience from me from a coaching point of view. Finished playing a lot, a lot younger than what I did. Um, I think he's a, he's an ex, an excellent manager. The way he goes around, the way he's going around things at the moment. I think the way he's handled the the turnover of players over the summer. Um, I think the club's in a good place in his hands. So. Learning from him every day, people like Huds that are around there. You know, we're always bouncing off each other, trying to, trying to learn, trying to learn things, trying to make the best of 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 what we are as a football club, and uh, it's in a good place at the moment. But yeah, I do want to go into management, but I'm I'm not ready for that at this moment in time. It's interesting, like um, Steve Morrison's done a phenomenal job in a short space of time, but also I think um, I think I mentioned this to you before, but even I think even more so now. Is I look at the people <coughs> who are behind the scenes and working with him, like yourself and Huds and um, Tom, and I can never remember his surname. So Ramsey. Yes, that's the one. Um, Derek. Every time I speak to Derek Brazil, he tells me he's one of the best coaches around. He raves about. Ramsey, yeah. Yeah. No, very good man. Very good man. We're we're, stud- we're both at the minute both doing our pro license with the FAW, so. Sort of we're, we're spending a bit of time with each other, sort of going through all our sort of projects and all that sort of stuff. We've got to get done, but yeah, he's a very good coach. And uh, as I said, the, the, the club's in good hands at the minute. Absolutely, 
be uh, very interesting. So your under twenty three season starts next week. Next Tuesday, Peterborough at home. It should have been should have been Tuesday this week against Birmingham, but it's uh, yeah next Tuesday. So at, at the stadium as well, we're kicking off at the stadium, which will be great midday next Tuesday. So if anybody's about and they want to come mm-hmm. and watch a game of football, see how we get on. But it's um, yeah, it, it's going to be a good season. We've got it's going to be an exciting season. We've got the got the Premier League Cup as the as the World Cup's going on, which will be great. We're trying to get as many games on a Saturday afternoon, so the Cardiff fans that can't obviously going to be missing the, the Championship football. They can get and watch it yeah, on Cardiff City side over over a weekend. Uh, so we've got the Premier League Cup over over the World Cup times, which would be good. Um, just an exciting season. We've got some really good young players within the group. I like think like Joel Colwell, Ruben's brother. He's um, he's only a second year scholar, but he's up playing with the twenty ones already. So for him, he's uh, he, he's a, he's a bright talent. People like James Kroll, Jack Leahy. There's, there's a lot of a lot of talent coming through the uh, through the twenty ones at the minute, and uh, hopefully uh, over the next uh, next six months, next year, there'll be a few more debuts. That's the way. That's the way. Um, <coughs> just last question. Obviously, um, are England going to qualify out of the group in the World Cup? Because they're obviously not going to finish top of the group, are they? So it's going to be. A <laughs> I've got a bet. I've got a bet with my physio about this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so you beat us at the um, the last was the yeah, last World Cup. You finished above us, didn't you? So uh, I don't know. Um, tough they, group. It is a tough group, but I think England will win it. Well, they should. They will, they They've should. got more players. Don't, to don't start from putting pressure country. on them. You know no, what no, I mean? No, it is no, what no. it is. So you know, uh, listen. Are England going to win it? I very much doubt it. Have England got a chance of winning it? Yeah, of course they have. Will Wales win it? I very much doubt it. But they've got a chance of getting through the group and making a making making a summer of it or making a winter of it out in Qatar. So it's be weird, eh? It's, it's good, but I, I, I go back to... I, I was at the um, the Austria game. I went and watched the Austria game uh, at, at the Cardiff City Stadium. And when we spoke earlier about atmospheres, that was one of the best atmospheres That's I've been incredible. in. It was unbelievable. I'm not Welsh... But I felt so. <laughs> I felt proud of you know listening mm. to the songs that were being sung and the national anthems and that. I looked at it and thought, fair play. It was uh, it was uh, it was decent. Yeah, it's gonna be good. Um, Darren, I appreciate you coming in again, mate. It's been My pleasure, sir. It's been good. Pleasure. I really enjoyed talking about coaching and that today. Yeah. Didn't know where it was gonna go, but uh, I'm glad it went there. Went all right. That was good. good. No, I appreciate it, mate. And uh, best of luck for the season. Cheers, sir. And uh, oh, that's the other thing. So, like last year. The under twenty threes, obviously, they won like a lot of games. Would you rather? Would you rather, at the end of the season, say I don't know, like four of the players from your squad at the start of this season now be in the first team, or would you rather win the Premier League two? Is it? I'd rather four of the players be in the first team. I don't think so. It's not about. For me, you'd say oh, I've won. I've won the Premier League too. Mm. I'd get more pride for sitting and watching. Like I look at the game on on Tuesday night with with Jason Menio coming onto the pitch. And I look back at that and I think, Do you know what? There's one that we've sort of semi got through. He's got a long way to go, you know, from where he from where he started from. But I look back at that and I, I get more pride from that than than where we are. Yeah, so I'd I'd rather see four lads go through and uh, and play. I'd love. I'd rather see four lads come through, not make debuts. Four lads come through and play ten, twenty games. Yeah, than them in the league for definite. Because that, that's what I've. That's like I said. That's what I'm here for. I'm not here for to, to 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 win to win the leagues. It's great winning football matches. I think it's great getting the the, the young boys in used to winning matches and 
how to do the, nit the nitty gritty side of it, turning teams around, keeping it in the corner the last couple of minutes of the game when you're 2-1 up. So they need to learn how to win football matches, but that's not what we're going to be defined by as an academy. We'll get defined by the number of debuts, debuts we get, the number of lads we, we get in and sell on, the number of lads that we get and actually make, make careers and go and play 100, 200, 300 games for, for Cardiff City. And I think if you look at the first team squad at the minute, we ain't done a bad job over here in the last couple of years. It's been very, very good. Very good. Right, cheers, mate. No worries, Appreciate pleasure. it. Um, guys, check out, uh, we've had Cardiff City first team coach Mark Hudson on recently and Mehmet Dalman, Cardiff City chairman. So I'm just running through with the, all the different <laughs> uh, people. But uh, no, I appreciate it. Like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Cheers, guys. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.